So let, let me begin by saying I'm really, really honoured to have been given an opportunity to address this World Science Forum occurring for the first time in an African country. Um, I'm really also pleased that uh, Minister Nzimande and the organising committee decided to develop the theme Science for Social Justice. I believe it's a really important theme, and I think as part of discussing um, science diplomacy and multilateralism, we also need to reflect on how we change the composition of the actors in science. How do we get more women involved? How do we get more black people? How do we get more young people? So I think looking at who is doing science is critically important to addressing the questions of science diplomacy and multilateralism. I hope that as uh, the discussions have ensued, we've had some focus, given the rubric of social justice, on issues of human dignity and, of course, on the matters of uh, the massive challenges confronting us today, particularly the issues of climate change, and then, of course, through uh, Peter, Professor Gluckman's uh, uh, input, we now have a sense of the complexity of multilateralism, which is the world in which I work. I, I wish that the United Nations were doing more to center itself in the science practicing community. I don't think that the weight of the UN is brought to bear sufficiently on leading uh, international debates as well as international practice of science. I recall that we had an UN um, gathering on science in around 2001, I think it was, just at the inception of the millennium. And uh, after that, things have uh, died down. And I really believe that uh, the United Nations, as the premier multilateral institution in our globe, should be playing a far greater role in drawing scientists together and in encouraging greater collaboration and cooperation. So I'm hopeful that out of the forum, uh, we will begin to see the emergence of a global science policy agenda that will seek to support uh, global priorities as well as attach itself to the pursuit of the sustainable development goals. I also hope out of this forum and the deliberations uh, we're having uh, today that we will all have agreement that much more should be done to give greater impetus to the role of Africa on the global science stage and that we should try to find innovative ways to include African institutions, African scientists to enhance university science research on the African continent so that Africa plays a much more significant role in generating new knowledge and innovation. I hope 
there will be an outcome that speaks to that. We as South Africa have always been very keen to forge meaningful global science partnerships and we've worked hard at uh, attracting foreign direct investment into our science and technology uh, sector. It is due to this desire of South Africa for international science cooperation that uh, we've increasingly come to see science diplomacy as an important instrument of our foreign policy. Of course, being a nuisance to Minister Nzimande, I insert myself into science deliberations all the time. And uh, it's really fortunate that our government does devote quite a, a lot of time to uh, deliberating about what we do in order to support science and also trying to generate advice from scientists for our country. I think uh, much more needs to be done to ensure that science, technology and innovation are part of development cooperation. When I look at uh, a lot of the uh, cooperation agreements that exist between various countries, I note often that science and technology and innovation are missing. Uh, generally, the focus uh, might be skills and education. Uh, you certainly would see agriculture because everybody thinks Africans need food. So it's always part of international partnerships. But it's quite rare to see a reference to science, innovation, and technology. And I think it's something uh, we need to change. So I would anticipate that you as senior science leaders in your countries would begin to ask your colleagues, your ministers of foreign affairs, uh, what it is they're doing with respect to building relationships in science and innovation with country X, Y, or uh, Z. And really be far more um, proactive as scientists than waiting uh, for politicians to develop the relationship. We are, have allowed ourselves in South Africa to be led by our colleagues in the science system and it is them who are really driving government to ensure that in the diplomatic space there is a science agenda. I uh, think that we must uh, pursue this in multilateral uh, institutions, in trilateral partnerships that we build, and of course in plur uh, plurilateral uh, relationships as well. Because uh, science partnerships are cross-cutting enablers for sustainable development. They, they do help us to arrange, uh, address a range of factors that should fall within the domain of international cooperation. I believe if we insert science into multilateralism, we will certainly have a new energy in global relationships. But of course, we also must ensure that we, as African countries and countries of the South, create an enabling national environment for innovation and that we have inclusive, coherent and coordinated national policy and national systems of innovation. Some of our institutions are very weak. Governments don't invest sufficiently in science. We need to ensure if we want 
the levels of collaboration I'm referring to, that our own systems are robust and that they're supported by adequate resources uh, from the state. In South Africa, we've been fairly uh, focused on developing uh, appropriate policy on science, technology, and innovation. We've also developed phased planning to ensure that we execute the policies that uh, we craft. We are fortunate that we have public science institutions that can assist government in acting on such tasks. Not all countries on our continent have such a capacity and we need to share uh, where we can. Hence, we must use, as I said, institutions at the regional level. We must use the continental body, the African Union, and of course the various partnerships that uh, African countries have built uh, throughout the globe. In our 10-year plan for science, technology, and innovation, we've emphasized sustainable development as well as inserted our national uh, policy ambition, the National Development Plan. We've also integrated the UN 2030 Agenda and where possible, we've ensured that the African Union Agenda 2030 is also included. So we've got quite a significant document, but I think it synthesizes a wide remit of policy areas that I think are going to be very important for advance, advancing science, technology, and innovation on the African continent. And it's vital that uh, countries do ensure that integration and synthesis, because if you don't, you will fall at the political point where someone in government would point out that plan A, which is very important, is missing, or the UN uh, instrument is not there. So this issue of integrating and synthesizing is absolutely vital for you to have a plan that will be accepted by the broadest uh, sectors of the population. We also ensured, as we thought of a more uh, long-term plan, that we should consult as widely as possible. So we spoke to stakeholders. We ensured that their concerns around poverty, around unemployment and inequality feature as uh, key uh, elements that would form uh, part of the goals that we would seek to address as we implement the 10-year strategy. So we've ensured, even in conversation with colleagues in other countries on the continent, that uh, the key uh, development goals of South Africa and Africa are seen as very visible in any policy document that we publish. We've also uh, inserted the discussion on funding uh, in government consideration of new policy because it would be all very well to have a wonderful global framework which all of us would support because it has every aspect one would want to include in a policy. But if you don't have funding 
to implement that strategy, then it comes to uh, mean uh, very little. So in South Africa, we are striving hard to work toward, at minimum, 1.5% contribution of GDP to our research and development. We also wish to increase funding toward, in particular, the training of young researchers, because this is very important to building a robust and enduring system of science, technology, and innovation. We're also working very hard to leverage from our bilateral partnerships, such as with SADC, our region, with IPSA, where we work with India, Brazil, and South Africa on a range of collaborative efforts. We also have inserted science, technology, and innovation into the agenda of the BRICS family, where we have Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. We insert science and our science focus into the G20. So wherever we are, we would insist that there should be discussion of science, technology, and innovation, and how these various organs can contribute to us achieving uh, the agenda we've set out. We work very closely together through our embassies with uh, having science uh, officers assigned to the various embassies of South Africa so that wherever we're located, we pursue partnership with our country, with countries at the bilateral level to ensure that we have a science and technology agenda with the 124 countries in which South Africa has embassies. And whenever we establish uh, these uh, partnerships, we insert the rest of the African continent into them. So we've moved away from a South Africa country A partnership into one where it's either trilateral or it is uh, many more than, than three countries. And that has been a very useful means of getting science action from our heads of mission, our ambassadors uh, throughout uh, the world. We've also made ourselves uh, available to uh, institutions of the African Union and have said if any of them uh, require research support from institutions in South Africa, we are ready uh, to give them the connection to South African or institutions in other parts of the world. So for example, we've recently established an office uh, to advance implementation of the African continental free trade area. We know that there are very important instruments associated with implementation of free trade, and we are ready to be of assistance through our universities or other institutions to investigate how we assist new African institutions to successfully uh, come into play and to execute uh, their role building on uh, practices that are already uh, utilized in different parts uh, of the world. But of course, as I speak of some of these uh, positive intentions, I also must confess that we are very worried at the fracturing of the system of cooperation uh, internationally. 
We are very, very worried at the current tensions in the geopolitical domain, uh, particularly in that they affect us as South Africa and the African continent. Uh, there is a sentiment uh, in the geopolitical world that is trying to separate the African continent into supporting one part of the powerful world and not working closely with another. And we are very clear that uh, we're not going to be compelled uh, to choose sides and so to detract from the collaboration that we've managed to build up over many, many uh, decades. We, are, we don't want to see fragmentation into rival spaces of science, technology, and innovation influence because of competition among the major powers. As Africa, we just cannot afford to be part of that, and we can't allow ourselves to fall into the trap of having to choose uh, sides when we're not the generators of this conflict. We know uh, very, very well that technical and scientific cooperation have really played a sterling role in improving the human condition. Millions of people worldwide have been lifted out of poverty, now have access to communication, can trade freely, and cooperate with each other, all thanks to science, technology, and innovation. We've seen massive breakthroughs in treatments and in responses to diseases as well as health challenges. We all know that the development of multiple effective vaccines for COVID-19 across the world took place in record-breaking time, and the ability of scientists in South Africa to identify two new variants were major accomplishments which were also built on partnerships. Of course, we know that the story of COVID-19 did not go well for us uh, as the African continent. We were last in line uh, when it came to access to vaccines as well as to diagnostics. So we very much uh, uh, became part of the initiatives of the World Health Organization, particularly in uh, allowing greater access for the continent to the mRNA uh, technology. And we are now part of the hub of Africa, led by Afrigen, an international company, as well as Nant uh, uh, Laboratory, which is built with the support of a biotechnology uh, entrepreneur from the United States of America. The mRNA hub will provide RNA enzymes to produce vaccines to vaccine-producing uh, institutions in South Africa. We believe this is a really significant contribution to ensuring that we as Africa are not left behind the rest of the world when faced with future debilitating pandemics. We made an undertaking to ourselves when we couldn't get one vaccine that uh, we will ensure that in future Africa is not last in line. And so setting up these institutions is part of developing that response. And I must say what is really uh, 
very pleasing is that we are seeing global collaboration in supporting several African countries to develop the capacity to produce vaccines. Uh, we were really thrilled that we had the support of over 100 countries in the WTO family when we were arguing for a temporary waiver on access to intellectual property. So we asked for a temporary relaxation of the TRIPS regulations so that we could have benefit from technology transfer and access to IP owned by very wealthy, successful pharmaceutical companies. And we were thrilled that more than 100 countries supported this initial proposal by India and South Africa, and we saw true multilateralism as we achieved success with respect to vaccines. The next target is therapeutics and diagnostics, and scientists must come into play if you believe there's science for social justice, you can't leave the politicians to be the only ones arguing for such access. You yourselves should say knowledge should be universal. It shouldn't just be left to us. Of course, we also now need to look at how we cooperate with respect to climate change, with respect to the loss of biological diversity, with respect to the significant pollution that we see with a whole range of manufacturing uh, processes. The first thing we need to do is build common understanding of the crises because I think we assume because there's a popular concept, all of us understand it in the same way. So I think science communication alongside science diplomacy is absolutely imperative. So that if I talk climate change in Bizana, in the Eastern Cape. I understand it the same way someone would understand it in Los Angeles, in the United States of America, and the way they would understand it in Johannesburg with all the gold mines that it has. So let us look at the language that we use and how we use science communication to lead to a point where we all understand the tasks uh, that we need to undertake. We are pleased uh, at the outcomes of the recent COP27 summit, particularly outcomes related to the shared threat to our environment. These outcomes were informed by scientists' contributions to the uh, conference, and we believe uh, that it's vitally important that all of us support these multilateral agreements that are forged even in geopolitical tense times. And we should attach our signatures to those agreements and really push governments to say you must implement. Those of you who have said you will make $100 billion available each year in order to support adaptation, let's make sure that that $100 billion is available and that poorer countries are assisted to ameliorate the terrible negative impacts that they're experiencing from climate change. So really what we hope for is a fundamental transformation and modernization of the global scientific architecture. We would like as well to see greater attention by multilateral development finance institutions in funding science and technology 
in developing countries uh, in particular. We tend uh, to expect that the World Bank and the IMF and other development finance institutions should really only be focused on debt relief or assisting countries that have very serious financial problems. But they must be supportive of the generation of new knowledge. They must be supportive of institutions that build intellectual capacity. So I think shifting the focus of these multilateral development finance institutions is another area of work uh, that you need uh, to support. Let me conclude by saying in our view, the possibilities of science are limitless. And as we proceed to make impact with groundbreaking research and innovation, we must ensure that we strengthen multilateralism, we must ensure that we draw countries together in collaborative, effective partnership. We believe that science, diplomacy, but more especially science cooperation can reboot multilateralism. And let me conclude by saying, without robust, strengthened, well-funded higher education institutions with a research focus, we're not going to have Africa participating in the science revolution. So let us support universities and science institutions in order to ensure that you lay a very, very well-secured foundation for greater multilateral science cooperation. Thank you very much.